Across the Margin Podcast. Seems like 2016 has been flush with musical farewells. From Fife Dog and Leonard Cohen to Prince and David Bowie, the loss of such incredible artists has left the world just a little bit dimmer. And in our chaotic and modern times, where new paradigms are falling into place while older, more deeply rooted ones become deeper set, it's the power of music and the uplifting presence of the artists who create it that possesses a sincere power to bring us all together. Back in January of 2016, when the path this contentious year has, has taken had yet to be journeyed upon, David Bowie released his 25th studio album, an album entitled Black Stars. But no one except for those in Bowie's closely guarded intimate circle knew was that Black Star was more than just another album from the glam rock superstar. What Blackstar was was a final farewell, a swan song of a release coinciding with Bowie's 69th birthday and a parting gift to his adoring fans around the world. Sadly, the realization of the true depths to Blackstar and the intended message behind its songs would only become apparent when the cultural icon passed away after after a secret battle with liver cancer two days later. The news of Bowie's death hit us all hard here at Across the Margin, especially in the context of the fact that we were all so thoroughly enchanted by the album. The newness and wonder of the music mixed with the raw, unadulterated sadness of his death was a bittersweet pill to swallow. It was like trying to mix oil and water, and the two conflicting currents of emotion swirled around us for days as, as we tried to make sense of it all. But with time comes understanding. And as the weeks passed, and we began to appreciate Blackstar for what it really was, a touching goodbye, but also one of the most extreme and staggeringly honest and touching albums Bowie has ever produced. We came to see that with Blackstar, Bowie wasn't just offering up a musical blueprint on how to move on from this realm. He was instead pulling a modern-day Lazarus, restoring a life taken away all too soon through the transformative power of his music. And in that way, we feel Blackstar deserves the distinction of Best Album of 2016. David Bowie may be gone, but his essence and his spirit live on dutifully in Blackstar. And in that way, the thin white duke has ensured that he will live forever. Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the magazine, and deeper into the stories. Um, And welcome to our year-end review for 2016. Um, So as I've been saying 
all week uh, in the articles uh, at Across the Margin, um, our, our, our top 50 uh, albums of, of the year. Um, I've been saying that this year was a son of a bitch. Um, a year that stole from us an abundance of legendary musicians and artists and and beautiful souls. Uh, I threw in that beautiful souls um, just because uh, we just lost Craig Sager uh, just yesterday. Who? Uh, what is that noise? Oh, wow! There's like hail outside. Um, uh, who? Who's just a beautiful soul who who passed? And it's also a year that reintroduced us to a version of um, America we had thought. And hoped we had moved well beyond. Um, but today we won't dwell on the bad or the ugly, um, but the good. Um, as this world is still full of so much beauty. Um, and, uh, and speaking of beauty, I have with me today a bit of a surprise, a blast from the past uh, via satellite or FaceTime or whatever. Um, we have my co-editor at Across the Margin, the head of our arts department, and our former co-host of Beyond, Beyond the Margin, Chris Thompson. Uh, what is up, Chris? Welcome back. Michael, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. I'm uh, doing a little uh, remote here from 3,000 miles away in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, but uh, I feel like I'm right next to you, like old times. Uh, you're, you're, as always, I tell you, you're very missing, but uh, we, I want to pull you in more for these. I, I don't care if it sounds... Remote, and I know you're gonna. Oh, I don't carry the man. And, and I know that uh, you're gonna you're gonna be doing interviews and setting up a bunch from out out there. So you doing well? Yeah, I'm I'm doing fantastic. I know my family's just getting settled here. We're beginning to uh, put our tendrils out into the the Portland area. You know, making some new friends. You know, figuring out the new lifestyle out here. Just finding that balance that we've been seeking, and uh, things are going great. And on top of it, you know, we're, we're uh, planting the flag of across the margin here on the west coast and trying to start uh getting the waves of what we're trying to do just sort of ripple out so it, it's all it's all good stuff mike absolutely absolutely it's uh it's it's a hell of a town there's i mean the amount of it's funny we get the amount of poets we publish there's we've we've had we've had um a couple pieces of fiction as of late that we published uh so many portland people I and mean, this is before even you got out there or we went to wordstock which we'll talk about later um, have found us some some brilliant authors. Yeah. I mean, think about it, like uh, coffee, rain, <laughs> writing. Art, I mean, specific right. Northwest. I mean, like we've got this. Is, it's going to happen here. You know, it's like a little incubator. So I'm not surprised we have so much great uh, works of art coming from people who live out here. It all makes sense. Um, it all makes sense. Let's start with the um, just because this whole week was dedicated to the top 50 albums of 2016. Music is such a big part of across the margin. Um, and uh, by the way, I loved reading the reviews you wrote. Um, Thank you. So much so that you don't know this until now, but I read uh, your, your your David Bowie um, piece uh, as the intro to this podcast. Because that, oh, that, cool. um, that was our number one album of the year, and you were um, – the champion for that album. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah, from since January, and, and, and nothing <laughs> yeah. touched it. And uh, you know, I agree. I do agree. Um, but your pra- your your passion brought it home, and um, I just I, I just wanted to um, ask you what what endeared you so much to that album. You know, it, it's it's a great question, Mike. And um, it's it's uh, it's got many levels to it. Uh, you know, I, I'll probably say that. I, 
I've always been a, a David Bowie fan, and uh, when he, you know, the album before that preceded Black Star was uh, A New Day, and that album was just it was phenomenal, and you know, it just brought Bowie just right back into my mindset. And then uh, when I heard the, you know the first sort of rumblings that he was coming out with a new album, I was just, I was like super excited, and. And then, you know, like, I, I love Black Star when I first heard it. I mean, like, I bought the album the minute it came out. But actually, to be honest, you know, my wife and I watched the video for the, the, the song Black Star on Vivo, on Vivo, like, a few months before the album dropped because it was released early. And, you know, it was like this 10-minute, like, weirdly beautiful experimental odyssey just filled with these, like, rituals of death and, like, a blind prophet and dead spaceman and this eerily, this gorgeous, like, Jeweled skull, skull, and it's all this fantastic imagery. Um, plus, the music was fantastic, and, and we, you know, my wife and I were just floored with the entire experience of the song. You know, from the music to the visuals, and we watched it like numerous times after that. And that's where just like began the whole like love affair with this album. Um, but just in terms of like Black Star itself, you know, it's just this version of Bowie that I've never heard before. I mean, you know, let's be honest here. Bowie is like the mother of reinvention. Of reinvention. He's like this modern-day Lazarus, and he's created and put to rest countless versions of himself across his, his lifetime. You know, but like of all the different Bowies we've come to know, the version of himself that he gave us in Blackstar just seems so different. It, it's, it's apparent on the album that he's got nothing left to lose. And on this one song that's fitting, fittingly entitled Lazarus, he actually sings those exact words that he's got nothing left to lose. Um, so it's really striking, and there's like this palpable battle between his zest for life kind of pitted up against this crushing reality of like his own immortality, and it's all across this album. I just found it like incredibly attractive. And you know, then once Bowie passed away, like two days after the album came out, everything has got like blown into this higher plane of existence for me, and like this whole true nature of Black Star just became apparent and the music just like was completely this whole new experience and it just took on this all these new levels of meaning and I just I dug deeper and deeper into it and I just got more obsessed with it and it, it's just like this beautiful elegant sort of like swan song for just like this amazing artist and I just can't think of a more like amazing way to go out of this world you know um, but to give like the gift of this to, to everybody um, so it's just like I, I'm just fascinated by the album it's, it's just something I've never even experienced before in terms of like um creativity yeah i mean just the just the line uh you know look up here i'm in heaven i mean yeah it just it it, it gives me chills just i've got chills right now man you said uh, that yeah it, it's funny though we had um we had a couple of those farewells this year and, and yeah um, um well and i'm glad that was awesome what you just said about the album and that does that that it, it's not, i mean not only is there such depth it's i mean it's such gorgeous music it's stunning oh, it's stunning and i'm like you know i always want to be proud of what we choose as that number one and although there's a couple other albums that i thought were right there which i can talk about right now but like it it, it makes so much sense that that's yeah. the album we went with but um there's there's two that i you know brought to the table and was arguing with you about the first was uh uh, car seat headrest uh, right it's uh, Teens of Denial and like and you know of course this is a, a younger artist um, but like in the article I went ahead um, and I know this might be hyperbolic and, and, and pretty intense but I compared it in its importance and in its uh, lasting power to albums such as Sonic Youth's Daydream Nation Wilco's Yankee Foxtrot Hotel Arcade Fire's Funeral um, neutral milk hotels in the airplane over over the uh, sea, which I mean these those, these are seminal 
albums, not just for that band, but in indie rock in general. But this one, it flat out floored me. Um, when I, first, I agree. When I uh, first listened to it, uh, it reminded me in tone and in effect of uh, my first listen to um, it's Preston School of Industries. Um, All this sounds gas. That's the um, that's uh, Spiral Stairs from Pavement. Um, it's now my love deeply and. You know, it's it, 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 it was reminiscent of that and it just it just it just you know, even when I'm listening to it over and over again, it just rips me apart. It's it's like these these it's it's so robust with these these fascinating witty lyrics and, and and you know, each song kind of like as as it gets going it swells to a dizzying type of crescendo. I mean I'm just absolutely in love with that album. I know I know you are too as well, like Yeah, yeah, you know what like I mean like uh uh, Will Toledo is like the yeah. wonder kid. This this young kid who's doing all this music, and it's like it's like this like he's got this lo-fi sound, you know. It's just like this. It's, he can it's turn it up too. He can. Oh turn yeah, it he up. can turn it up too. Yeah. You know, and like it's structurally, it's ambitious. It's like I mean, he's singing about like you know themes of youth that we've all sort of I would imagine a lot of us sort of have have all dealt with and you know danced around and stuff like that and like you know there's just a rawness energy to it that is instantly relatable and it just sort of just pulls me back into my younger days and I was just like a little punk ass just you know walking around the road feeling like I was 10 feet tall you know and yeah. he just does a great, great job of just sort of hitting that nerve and the music is just it's, it's phenomenal and, and I, I think it, it's appropriate that it's, it's, it's it gives we give it such kudos because it's just so good and, and it does have I think I was writing about in the piece it does have you know a touch of you know the 90s bands you like i've already mentioned spiral yeah. from pavement i mean there's nirvana feels there's there's breeders feels there's pixies feels um but it's also novel it's it does yeah you know some of the some of the lyrical content actually reminds me of the lyrical content of like a frank ocean um whereas it's like this modern day apathy as opposed to the you know kind of rocking 90s apathy i, I think I don't know. That's kind of a tough thing to explain, but I think that nostalgia had a had a part to play in it, and it did have a part to play in the other album. That this is the one I really was, uh, you know, if it wasn't David Bowie, Blackstar, um, to me it was going to be a tribe called Quest. We got to right. come here. Thank you for your service. Um, I'll admit it. I was excited for this release, but. With an 18-year 18 18-year 18 hiatus, I uh, I did mute my excitement. I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. I'm glad they're doing it. You know, I'm, I'm sure they have something to say. I knew Fife was in the studio with him before he passed. Uh, I didn't see this coming, man. No, wow, it, not, it, man. It, 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 it was it was absolutely a banger. The beats were vintage tribe. Tip sounded as good as ever, just like validating himself as as a god. It turns out Jerobi can rhyme. No one knew Jerobi can rhyme. Jerobi can <laughs> yeah, rhyme. I know, right? The, um, uh, I did double take on that. It's just, it's that's crazy, and, and it just the album felt like it came at just the right time. Um, we needed some of that positivity and some of that social commentary that they're capable of, and it was and and. And on top of that, it was such a brilliant tribute and send-off to Fife. And um, and both of those were so good. It, I mean, We the People, I really believe, is is just maybe the song of the year. If it's not Lazarus from Lazarus from Black Star, it's that. It just, it's, it's those. So those three, 
you know, we gave a lot of props to Day of the Dead too, but that was just yeah. it, that was an expansive thing. The, the, these other three albums are just so it's just I mean they they they're gonna stand the test of time. They're that good. I want to ask yeah. you though. There's one, uh, and I don't think uh, numerically I gave it the respect it deserved as far as what you were feeling. Uh, Kevin Morby, I love the woods, and he's from the woods. Um, right, his album "Sing Saw" meant a lot to you. Can you? It, it meant a ton to me, man. I mean, I I, I think that uh, um, had it had had I had a little bit more uh, energy in my body, I, I, <laughs> I, I would I would have fought a little bit harder to get that up at number one. But I mean, like it, it, it was you know trying to be in the shadow of Bowie is just is really hard. You know, yeah. going up against him, especially in terms of what that album meant. Uh, Bowie himself in yeah, terms I, of like being a I want to hear more about you said but like like I think when we choose number ones it's not just the value of the music it's it's kind of like the full perspective of, of right. what it means not just for the time it is in which definitely matters but the time you know like how how we feel this will be looked at with time with like right. in Perspective and hindsight and all that, like exactly you know, what what it means now, what it means later, and what it means to music in general. That's right. where I think Kevin Morby's album, you know, maybe didn't have that feel, but you really sure. felt this one. Yeah, you know, I mean, I uh, you know he's been on my radar for a while now, and like you said, he he's he was a former bassist uh, in a band called Woods. And they put out a great album in 2014 called "With Light and With Love" that I just just was in love with. They put out an amazing and, album this year, The Woods. Yeah, okay. no, 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 I'm not trying to, to yeah. put that album down. I'm just saying I'm a little bit obsessed with. Yeah, with light with and light with love, love is, is brilliant. Um, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. Helps, uh, but you know, and you know, and, and then you know, he was he he moved to New York, uh, and you know, he, he was living in Brooklyn and doing some work with this band called The Babies, and I, I like some of their music. And then like he up and moved to LA and put out this great album in 2013, which is like his first solo album called Harlem River and it was like this beautiful ode to New York City and, and, and like being someone like me who just moved away from New York City you know I, I just I, I could just totally relate to sort of what he was trying to do in that piece and then and he's definitely like caught my attention and I was like I gotta pay attention to this guy and you know when he dropped Singing Saw this year 2016 you know I was so interested in seeing like how his sound had matured because I was I was getting these hints of some of these things that I really like musically and um you know what's so great about singing saw is just like how thoroughly and just perfectly it channels like Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen, like two yeah. artists that I just absolutely adore. And you yeah, know Leonard Cohen put out put out an amazing album this year. Unfortunately, he passed away too this year. But yeah. I mean, like Fuck you know, he's an amazing that. artist. Yeah. And so like so like on singing saw and like with Kevin Morby, there's like this deliberately deliver. <laughs> you got it. There's this delivery to his lyrics um, that you know, if you weren't paying attention, and his song just sort of came on and caught you off guard, you swear you were listening to a, a Dylan song. And you might say, yeah. "What well, is this Dylan? I never heard it before." You know, I don't think it's a bad thing because there's nothing wrong with sort of channeling, you know, some of the greats. You know, I mean, you know, flattery is the great. You know, um, you know, copying someone's greatest form of flattery. You know, I don't. So I'm not saying he's copying Dylan, but he's definitely channeling uh, Dylan and Cohen, and, and that to me is insanely appealing. Especially when you sort of just think about where he's coming from and the, the musical depth that he has and the experience that he has, and he's got this like storytelling style to his music. It just it just draws you in, and you know there's you know like I said you know it's reminiscent of you know Leonard Cohen's ability to sort of just like tell you these stories through his songs and make you actually care about the characters in it. You know, and yeah. he's great like that. So it's just a win-win for me. It's like you know some of my favorite music from the '60s and '70s being interpreted in a modern way and um i think you, know, you just like, nailed it right there it's like cause yeah. you are hearkening back to 
them sounding like that. But the thing is, he doesn't sound. He sound. He sounds modern. He's using. He's right. using their storytelling techniques. He's using some of their. You know, just just more subtleties. Yeah, well, well, there's this way, like where, like his delivery, he's sort of like doing these short little phrases that Dylan pioneered. You know, yeah. and like you know, like so he's not singing; he's just there, like there giving is these a little beautiful, nuggets. beautiful simplicity to the imagery that that, yeah, that, that yeah. I found. And right, and and, and and there's two songs that I love. That if you're looking to sort of like something that represents so Kevin Dor- Dorothy, Dorothy has to be one of them. Yeah, Dorothy, Dorothy is amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then there's I've Been to the Mountain, which I think I shared the video with you, and that you was did. sort of like just began my love affair with the album. Yeah. And, and, and then there's also a song called Cut Me Down, which is like classic Dylan. So, I mean, like, if you're a, if you're a fan of Dylan or Cohen, or, or music from that era, and you're looking for something to like, something new that can sort of like take those wonderful aspects of that sound and just, you know, pivot into the 20th century, you know, um, into like, you know, the 2000s and this is the guy you should check out and yeah. you know for those reasons and you know more that I won't go into I just think that Kevin Morby did an excellent job with this album this year and we should all keep an eye on him because yeah. I think he's got a lot of potential because like he says in one of his songs he's got a song he's got a song book <laughs> in his head you know and he's, he's just getting started so um, check him out yeah I know I mean I had to ask you about him because um, yeah. I just you know when we're putting this together, I, I just I could I could feel your passion towards him, which, yeah. was, which was awesome. But yeah, you I know love... what else is? If, if I could interrupt for a second, yeah. you know, like you know, this, 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 this was a crazy and chaotic year, man. This was an up and down kind of year, and you know, a lot of people were inspired. I think because you got to put us some good music, just because of just as a sign of our times, you know, like you know, just all the sort of things that were going on culturally and politically and socially, and um, you know, like you said, like. Bands like A Tribe Called Quest, you know, like there was a lot of I, important music being put out. Yeah, I mean, exactly, I mean, exactly, and, 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 and I, I we chose to celebrate that. Rock and rap is gonna is gonna rise up. I mean, exactly. Why did the London punk scene come from? Like, I, I heard a lot right. of people joking, like, you know, think think about what happened with so much unrest in music. Right. I mean, look, no one wants the shit that's going down right now, but like some fucking fantastic music comes from it. There's some beautiful art. Right. I mean, at least something good's coming. Right. From it. I mean, like, I mean, Q-Tip put out that letter saying the whole reason, part of the reason why they put out this album was because they recorded a show, I think, on Letterman at the night of the Paris bombings, and they were so moved by just, like, what had happened, they felt they had to say something, and it was just like, the timing was right, you know, and they just said, you know, we've got, we've got one more album in us, and we, we still got something to say, and because of, because of that tragedy, and they were just moved to put out something fantastic, you know, and, and like, and like that kind of stuff is just like it's how great art is created, you know. Yeah. And the, you know, when you're caught up in these these things that are so emotional, and people just have to express themselves. And you know, a lot of the music this, this year that was so good felt like it was sort of channeling a lot of that. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it's so great. I mean, we've seen it already as editors, where already so many stories are coming in, just like pissed off that like fascism right. has a voice again and that racism yeah. has a voice again and like right. these are i mean just these, these these stories aren't just non-fiction they're fiction works where they like they're 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 there's angst and i'm like like i think there's a fire brewing in in the artistic world that is yeah you know i mean i i'm i'm forced right now to look at the bright side of things and you know when when you just kind of look at the direction our country's heading governmentally and um you know, art is, is is something that does benefit from shit. I mean, come on, I've, I've been depressed as fuck, and, like, it's, right. you know, wrote some things that I'm very proud of to this day. Um, can we stick with music just for a moment? As we Hell yeah, man, I could talk music all day, you know that. <laughs> but we, but yeah, no, same here, but we, I mean, we won't, 
but we will for a minute longer. Um, we have a series that across the margin uh, that we just love being at our age. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of the editors and writers are between thirty. Four thirty-five and like forty-two, so we call it twenty years later. Um, and these are albums that anyone even younger can relate to. It's just basically a harkening back to twenty years earlier. Nineteen ninety-six was this year, so we're, we 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 talk about albums from uh, ninety-six this year. We shined a light on DJ Shadows introducing Ghostface Killers, Iron Man, Jay Z's Reasonable Doubt, Bex's Odelay, Underworld's Second Toughest and in Infants. Uh, Tortoises, uh, no, I, I think the tortoise might have been uh, 2015, but yeah, that was 2015. It was, um, yeah. But either way, we we periodically and um, we hope to do more. Uh, look back 20 years later. It was you wrote a couple of those. Is there something um, that uh, uh, would you write the back one? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, 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 I wrote the 20 years later for Beck and for Underworld, you yeah. know, and I, you know, I, I, I love just sort of peering back down the memory hole and seeing what happens. And uh, you can look uh, at them in hindsight, hindsight, yeah. hindsight, hindsight, and like kind of see them in a different view, what they mean now, yeah. how they resonated throughout a couple of decades, because these are legendary, groundbreaking albums. We've yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, right now we're cruising through 1996. You know, we're about to go to 1997. And uh, we're talking about my teenage years here. We're talking about, you know, Beck's Odelay, which for me is an ama- one of my favorite albums. Uh, you know, we're talking about, for me, that's summer 1996. I-, I had just finished my senior year in high school, and, you know, um, that was my final summer before I went away for college. So, you know, a-, a lot of these things for me right now, when I'm writing these 20-year-later pieces, they're like a... a, a, a of revisiting the, the, the nostalgia of my teenage years, you know? I mean, like, this is sort of like revisiting my youth, and it's always this warm, enjoyable feeling, you know? And, you know, you, know, you, you asked me what was my favorite one I wrote this year. Well, I only wrote two, but it's got to be hands down Bex Odelay. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, like I said, that album dropped in the summer of 96. I had just graduated high school. Moving away to college is only a few months away. And, you know, that summer for me was one of the best times I've had in my life up to then, you know? And <laughs> it was a period of time, you know, it was carefree. Beck's, you know, his whole new pollution sound, it was all over the airwaves, you know, and it was like the soundtrack to my carefree days, you know, yeah. I mean, I have, a lot, I have a lot of love and nostalgia for that album, you know, and it has to do a lot with just sort of like the memories it invokes, you know, like these, these warm, these warm days spent in, you know, summer backyards, you know, just under the stars, surrounded by my friends and just, you know, this sort of, you know, uh, promise of change that awaited us all and sort of this last time together you know and and I feel like with Beck too he was at he was at that point he was yeah exactly you know, yeah he wasn't that was much older than us you know totally and like his his music was just kind of blowing up in that way right. it was maturing as you know and it was just trying to I think you and him were both trying to find like a a, a, a foothold to kind of step right. into and and, 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 and and to move forward yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, uh, one, one of the songs, Hot Wax, like, I, I, I love that song. And to this yeah. day, that song comes on, it's on, like, my Spotify shuffle, or, like, I just put it on, like, iTunes, and just someone's playing it, I hear it, it's like, boom, I'm rocking it back in the summer that year, and yeah. it's just, like, just gets me, you know? And, like, yeah. I just, like, I gotta turn it up, you know? It's, it's a great album. It's straight, and, it's straight up tra- time travel, which is absolutely Yeah, amazing. exactly, it, exactly. It and I, I think it's one of the, some of the power of music, is that it can take you back to, to the experience you've had in your past, yeah. and it could, it just, like, 
it, it, like I said, it's time travel, and I love that aspect of music, and it's one of the powers of it. It's a healing power too, you know. So, um, you know, so I, I love writing these pieces. You know, some of them for me, you know, are a little bit more of an emotional level. Some of them are just sort of just more like, you know, I'm just like trying to like, you know, just. Revisit like a time period, you know. Yeah. But overall, I, just, I, I, I just, love the whole feature. You know, kind of almost explain to. I like to look at them as almost an explanation to different generations if we're able to put it into words why this mattered at the time and why it matters now. That's kind of right. that's kind of the goal of right. the twenty years later. And to me, you know, this year, us doing nineteen ninety six, it was it was like the hip hop and yeah. It was just, it was unbelievable what, you know, Ghostface's first album was there, Jay-Z's first album was there, right. which, which you wrote about, you know, it was just, I mean, DJ Shadow, what, what introducing meant to not just me, but to turntablism is insane, and it, it, yeah. it, 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 it truly, without hyperbole, changed the game, and, right. and it changed samples and music, it changed, you know, people started digging into craze and trying to find... You know, they're like, oh my god! Like, we can make obscure sounds. samples. Yeah, yeah, we can make sounds that right. are novel from from beautiful music of yore, and it was just right. such a big deal. But I must yeah. admit um, that our twenty years later segments this year are defined in some ways by what we missed, just as much as um, as what we covered. And, and you know, we can't cover everything because we we missed speaking on some seminal albums by De La Soul, by Ween, Stereolab, Nas, Dr. Octagon, Roots, Tool, <laughs> Fish, Mob Deep, Outcast, The Silver Jews, that last one stings. Um, yep. You know, we can't get to them all, but I wish I wrote a piece on all those. But uh, Yeah, yeah, I know, man. You know what's great? Like, right now, we're, uh, we're you know, coming up in 1997. Yep. You know, we, we, we've been... Touring through grunge and some of the, the the slacker rocks that came out, you know, and oh, we're, we're in sort of the, is stacked to the brim. Yeah, I know it's great. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like the we adolescents of hip hop. Yeah. We, we've gone through the early days of it, you know, and now we're like it's matured a little bit, and you know, some new artists are picking up the baton and stuff like that. So you know, we're in a really good place for music, and I, I'm I'm really looking forward to, as the years go on. I actually keep will doing say, some more of these. say this though: the uh, uh, I'm gonna drop another. Uh, before the end of the year. Um, cool, awesome. Uh, I'm going to sneak it in, and, and the, the time frame is not going to work, but uh, this band that I'm going to I'm gonna sneak in under the wire, they did three albums in 1996, and they're all ridiculous. Uh, do, any ideas? I'm trying to think who I'm, I'm trying to think of. I don't even worry about because I'd rather almost not say it. Yeah, uh, I, I can't. Just going to mind who did three albums in one year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to think of three in ten years, but not three in one year. Well, you know? and, and that's uh, actually the the intro um, to this piece, which I already wrote. It, it, it does delve into like uh, prodigious outputs uh, by bands in certain periods because the fact that this band put out three albums and I love them all almost equally. They, it's insane. Uh, so I cannot let the year pass without doing that. So, but that's coming, and uh, let's move on from music a little bit. This year, at across, right, well, I look forward to that, Mike. Yeah, I got you, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna need your editorial help, my friend. Um, <laughs> we had a big year at ATM um, in a lot of ways, and and one of them was we created our uh, own publishing imprint, and um, we re- released our first book, which we're excited about, Ray Deep, Seneca Rebel. Yes. Um, Seneca Rebel is uh, a hell of a stocking stuffer, FYI, people. 
if you if, if you want to get a gift for someone, especially someone uh, who enjoys the young adult novel, that's the one. But um, you know, we're just getting our footing uh, with ATM Publishing. We do have in the works probably two to three books next year, um, which we're very excited about. So that we're just getting started, Mike. We're just getting is, started. That is something. Yeah, I mean, we knew we'd go to print as we've talked about, yeah. but um, it, it, it the game is uh, it's stacked against the little guy. Um, but in a good way. We have so much output in other ways. So, right. Uh, you know what, Mike? If you, if you don't try, you never succeed. You can't well, just let the big guys have all the fun, you know? No. Our, I mean, our novels will seep out, but what we really want to, we want them to be choice, things we stand behind, and we got a couple in the hopper that we're excited about. So we're very excited about right. um, ATM Publishing. Uh, this year we showed our face at a, a couple um, book festivals. And, yeah, man. We got out into the world. Yeah, and... and you know, we've been hiding behind our webpage for a while. You know, n- not hiding. We've been screaming, to, you know, as if off our soapbox about everything from politics to everything. But, uh, you it's know. It's cool we got out and got our faces out into the world, and, you know? So, yes, uh, no question. And we went to, uh, we're at the, and these, these will we do, we will do these two annually. We've been to others, but like Brooklyn Book Festival and Portland's Wordstock, you can find us there every year. No question. Um, but two of the pre- premier uh, book festivals in the country. They are, may I add, by far uh, two of the top five book events, uh, yes. publishing events uh, that that happened. Uh, I mean, Portland was really special, wasn't it? I oh, mean, I loved it. I loved it, man. Wordstock was for real. I I, um, I was blown away by just. I mean, because my only comparison was the Brooklyn Book Festival, but right? The, the amount of people and they, they these are like Brooklyn Book Festival is not a paid entry. You can just walk up and deal with it. The, everyone who went to the Portland event uh, is a paying customer, so to speak. Yeah, they bought a ticket, man. And there were hordes. I have, and, and like passionate. I, I mean, I, I, I could. I was blown away by your city that you live in now. Their passion for books, their passion to learn what across the margin was about, their their just their knowledge of of of, of you know like literature, media, everything. Uh, pretty special event. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a, they're a creative, sort of hands-on, well-informed, sort of you know uh, unique you know flavor of people who live here, and like I was really drawn to that. And we, I think, we got a. Wonderful, wonderful sort of cross section of the kind of people who live in Portland uh, at the Portland Wordstock, and I, I had an amazing time just meeting people and talking to them and listening to their stories and getting a little chance to sort of tell our story too and talk about what across the margin is and where we want to go and how some of those people can play a role in it. You know, like I, I, I love my favorite question to ask was, "Are you a writer?" Or you know, "Do you write poetry?" And then it was just an open invitation to just start a conversation. And you know, I, I feel like you know we made some new acquaintances. You know, met some new people. We almost also fucked the whole thing up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, can, I know. can we be honest? I know. Um, so <laughs> we maybe, did. Me and Chris, um, we bought a bunch of balloons for the Brooklyn Book Festival. I've talked about this on the podcast before. We have 500 yes. dope across the margin balloons. So, what is? Do you, do you remember the exact name of the location we're at? It's the. Uh, we, I think we were, we were in the Portland Museum of Art, I believe. All right, we're in the. We were in the ballrooms there. Gorgeous ballroom at the Portland yeah. uh, uh, Museum of Art, and so. They have these sensors on the ceiling that, like, if they're just like kind of touched, 
like uh, the the fire alarms can go off. Like they, well, it sets off the sprinklers, you know. It's not, it's not, it's, you can actually see the the strings, and so we have some balloons, um, you know, around our thing because we have fucking five hundred balloons. We, we need to do something there, and it's fun. Balloons are fun. And a tank of helium too. There's kids, yeah, exactly. So a couple of our balloons get away from us, and they go up to the roof of of this art museum, and like the powers that be there come, and they're like, yo. So, like, stop. Get rid of the No balloons. more balloons. No yeah. more balloons. Stop. No more balloons. Because, like, what could have happened is one of these balloons could have gone up there. People think. Listeners, think of all the pieces of paper, all the books. People have thousands of books with them. They're, they're selling. They're, like, <laughs> we could have rained them all out. Um, oh, man. It, it would have been our first and last, and last per- Portland Wordstock And I want to go back. Wordstock was amazing. I watched it. was fantastic. I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't happen, man, because that was sucks. We need to go back. Um, yes. And I, I think of one other moment, too, and, and, and just while you're you're here with me, is, uh, you know, I remember this woman came up, and she was she was very old. And, and like, so we're given two chairs at our booth. And, um, you know, we need those chairs. We're there all day. And she stood there. She wanted to talk to us. She wanted to talk to you. And uh, you saw within two minutes, uh, just, just a couple minutes, that her body was aching a little bit. I, I saw you just out of nowhere just, just stand up without even thinking, come around, taking your chair. I don't know if I would have done this because I needed that chair. And just, and just send, her there, send the chair behind her. And just like you sit down, let's talk. And then you came around behind the booth, and and so she sat down and she talked to you for like twenty minutes, and yes. I set her up in the chair, and 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 I just I, I bring that up because it was one of the most altruistic things I've ever seen. Like, yeah, I remember. I think I was explaining how to email with her or something. You yeah. know, it was. But you know what? It, it was great. You know, listen, Mike. Here at Across the Margin. First and foremost, we're gentlemen, you know? After yeah. that, you know, no, whatever you, other I, hat we wear <laughs> comes next, you know? So I, I, I was glad to, to let her take a seat, and we and, and we could just rap a little bit and talk writing and I just how to send awesome. emails just, and whatever it is, you know? Like, that's yeah. what I was there for, and uh, I'll gladly do it again anytime. It was it was just it was awesome, man. It was, it yeah, was just cool. don't take advantage of me, because I, no, I, I can't stand, I can't, I can't stand like, all day. No, no, totally. <laughs> and he made a joke better to me. Like, you're like, hey... You know, look, you never know who's a billion, billionaire who wants to uh, provide to the uh, to the cause. But uh, but I saw yeah, it. man, you know, no, uh, no, no. But I saw it, and it was all it was all heart, and it was that was I, yeah. I, I I I know you didn't see that coming, but I want to bring that up. Um, yeah. So that was well, listen, fun. I, I, I love worship. There was this buzz that it was I just sort of wasn't expecting, and. Um, you know, we sold out of all our books. We sold some T-shirts. We, we got sold a whole out bunch of memes on our newsletter. Had. You know, like met a bunch of new authors. It was yeah. great, man. It was great. Like I, I love that vibe, and like I want to do more of that. You know, and like I, I, I really think that there's a lot of power in sort of getting yourself out there and letting people meet you. And uh, you know, it, it's it, there's, there's a lot of positivity and goodwill you can foster by doing those kind of things. And just, I, you know, I would let's like do to, more of it. I would like to like thank uh, Portland in general. There, I mean, like right. the, the people who ran. Words. Oh, they did a great job! They, yeah, well, no, more than that, they came up to us and they're like, they knew where we were from, and they were so happy to have us there and welcoming. And it was, yeah. it, 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 I don't know, it was an arms wide open type of thing, and we could yeah. have been outside. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a lot different from the Brooklyn Book Festival. I think we just like showed up and there was a table and we just took it and we never saw anybody from the <laughs> festival. Yeah, and we just stayed there for like you know eight hours and we left. You know, so yeah. I mean, it's a much different vibe. But I think that's the difference between New York City and Portland. You know, so they're yeah. much, they're two different entities. You know, absolutely. But like you said, we will be back. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So we so we had a we had a fun year here too at um, 
and by here, I mean beyond the margin. Um, yes. We, you know, we had hoped originally when the year started to do more podcasts, but, you know, when we're juggling all these different aspects of across the margin and beyond the margin, there's a lot to deal with. But I just, pardon me, I want to I want to thank um, everyone who came through. We had, we, I mean, we talked to filmmaker. Yeah, we had some great guests. We talked to filmmaker, producer Brian Saxon. Filmmaker and comic Mitch Lucas, authors Rhea Deeb and Jonathan Mark Antoni. We talked to Frank um, uh, Battaglia, who's out of Bernie Sanders camp, and um, feel the burn, feel the burn, uh, miss the burn, and um, <laughs> and, and 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 one uh, another that I can think of is uh, Ben Selkow. Uh, oh yeah, who, uh, he's great. But he, I, I'm, I'm getting a little melancholy right now because he. He did the um, uh, buried. Uh, I like the, the, He's a documentary filmmaker. Uh, buried above ground. Yeah, it was a fantastic PTSD um, it's, documentary. It's, it's he did. Am- it was amazing. It, it's, it's, it's an amazing award-winning yeah. documentary. It's actually blowing up a little bit right now, and, and it was, as it should be. It, it, it's it's important work of art, and uh, something just happened that like was uh, you know very distressing. One of the main um, subjects of the film. This guy was huge. He's actually become a national figure. Uh, Captain Luis Carlos um, Matavalan. Uh, he just passed. Uh, oh, really? That's at, tragic. At uh, he, he he was it was it was below fifty. He's like forty six to forty nine, somewhere in that range. He was one of the main subjects in this. He's uh, a stud soldier in um, in Iraq, and uh, I'm in. He just came back and in in. You know, he was riddled with PTSD, and he became a champion of those who were riddled with PTSD. And I mean, he—I mean, someone. Al Franken spoke at his funeral. I mean, this guy—he—he was—he was for real, and it just—it it hits because it, it like literally two weeks ago he just passed. So, just wanted to give a shout out to him uh, as we end this year because he—he represented, um, you know, a bold, the best, a bold, just a bold American who. Yeah. Went and um, you know served us in the gave, gave everything. He stood up, yeah. gave everything, and so I want to say thank you to him. Want- you know what, what I liked about that documentary? It just showed that the struggle is real, man. You know, yeah. I mean, like it isn't just like four letters that people apply just to you know easily you know just push somebody away. Or something. It, it's a real issue, and it doesn't just affect people who are in combat. You know, I mean, it affects all walks of life. You know, so I mean, and Ben did a great job yeah, of sort that, of that illustrating was, that. That was the thing that that that, that uh, documentary is so good. It's just like PTSD is not just about war, and like, right, exactly. It's, it's, that, that's for real. Uh, yeah. So you know, we have so much more coming from beyond the margin. This pot uh, beyond the margin. This podcast. We we actually have some. Big, big development in the works, but um, just you know, thank you for everyone who who rides us out with us. Uh, we haven't even jumped into the articles at all. So as we wind down, that's uh, <laughs> yes, you know, the articles that we've, we've the bread and butter. The bread and butter is always online. Yes. We always say that you know, as much as we come off the page, as much as we mix our media, as we should love to the bread and butters. It's online. It's going to be there. Right. It's going to find out. You know, it's it's the source to find out all the other. Wild shit I mean, we're we're a home for writers and wordsmiths, Mike. You know, we've created this place for to be a voice for people who are you know have something to say. So, I mean, the the articles are a big part of who we are. So, yeah. I think we should definitely talk and about some of the best. And it's our forum where we can you know announce everything we're doing. But uh, it's funny, you know, 
we've had so many, and I mentioned this a lot that the last podcast, but it's just something that just continually happens. Uh, you know, we get all these submissions, and we've had so many Trump inspired art, Trump inspired articles and stories right. coming our way, and um, it's that's unsurprising. And we actually are going to have so much more to say about this, and like we're you know, there's a fire. I think we're just getting started. Yeah, there's and there's a, just because yeah, there's a, the the fire that's burning with us. Uh, the angst about what's happening in his cabinet picks, and you actually, uh, we're going to do some live um, reporting in some fashion from uh, directly from the inauguration, and and uh, but but you know, again today, even though we speak so much about politics, at across the margin, today is the day for that. Today is about the beauty, and it's about escapism that we do provide at across the margin, you know, throughout the year, and so. I wanted to talk about some of the uh, some of our choice picks of uh, fiction, nonfiction articles in general. Uh, Chris, you want to lead us off and some some yeah, yeah some sure. that you want to speak about? Yeah, you know, I love to. You know what? And I'm always going to go to fiction and storytelling because that's sort of just like in my wheelhouse and yeah. what I love. You know, and it, like I said, like you mentioned, this was a, this was a contentious year politically, culturally, and socially. And to be honest, you know. Like you said, we published a lot of great articles in those veins, and we hope to publish more. But what I really love about Across the Margin is that we are a home for all topics and fiction. And the fiction that we publish, I'm, I'm especially fond of, and you know, the short stories that we put out there for people to read and enjoy, um, I think they're just wonderful distractions from everything else that's going on in the world, especially this year. So you know, th- th- there were a whole bunch that I like, and you know, th- there's two that kind of stand out for me that I, I, I really enjoyed. And I think the first one which to- totally took me by surprise um, was uh, the Play Ball, which was by uh, Marsha Epic-Harris. And I just thought this story was fantastic. Um, wh- when I first sort of started reading it, I thought it was just going to be sort of this, like this this story loose, it's kind of centered around baseball, and I, was, I wasn't sure if I was interested. It's not but the most enticing title. No, not at all, you know? And I was like, all right, so we got a sports submission. That's I almost thought of talking her out of it, but, like... No, once, it's, I think it works, though. I think it once, works, you once know? Once you read it and you realize, yeah. like, kind of... It's kind of a right. joke. It's kind of a joke. Right. I don't like stories that work that way. But anyway, yeah. I, I thought it was a fantastic short story, you know? I mean, like, you know, and give you just a little bit of background, you know, it sort of, sort of chronicles this... Um, intimate relationship between infidelity and baseball and I thought that that, that was kind of great because yeah. the baseball angle just wasn't too heavy handed it was just sort of cleverly sort of woven into the story you know so it wasn't just this baseball story you know like um, you know Marsha it wasn't a baseball ex- story at no. all yeah. no and it was cool and, but like it, it, we, we don't get very many submissions that are this well written that actually have like a sports angle so like I was I was totally like like you know willing to give it a chance and, and I loved it I think she did an excellent job of sort of just weaving these two themes together and like bundling in these emotions surrounding love and how we fall in and out of love and sort of liking it all to a baseball game I just thought it was just totally different and from left field and that's the kind of stuff that we want to celebrate here you know so it was great I haven't seen a, a I don't think I've seen a better delicate balance between two pieces of uh, what it could be like such a blatant comparison yeah, you yeah, like two I mean? conflicting ideas, you know. Yeah, conflicting ideas, but it was also yeah. like it was kind of a blatant, like yeah. sexual versus like right. baseball. That's an easy, right. you know, that, it's a metaphor. It's, a, it's an obvious metaphor. Right. I've never seen it like walk so delicately. Right. It really worked. 
Yeah, maybe we should have called it Love and Baseball. Maybe that would have been a better title. It's, it's, I, mean, I don't know. From a fan of the film Love and Basketball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking, man. Don't, you know? <laughs> don't, don't make me bring up Omar. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, I, I, I thought one, that was a great short story. It was a great uh, short story. Another one I liked was uh, by uh, Kirk Windis, and it was called The Pact. Oh, wow. Yeah, yes, Kirk. Yeah. I just thought it was raw, and, you know, it was just sort of just like it really dealt with, um, you know, sort of emotions that uh, are difficult to sort of talk about. And, and you know, uh, the idea of sort of just like depression and suicide was very prevalent in this story. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like this short story about this guy. And, you know, he's suicidal and he's, you know, he says that he's thought about it like every day. Yeah. He's even gone to the point, uh, you know, but he's also depressed and he's really kind of upset with sort of like the mediocrity of his life, you know. And like, like I said, he's contemplated suicide, but he's just like never set a date to actually do it. He's just sort of like been this sort of just like bug in his head all his life, you know. And then like he's sort of he's at this uh, um, group counseling session. And he meets this woman, Sarah, and, you know, and, and this woman, Sarah, the quote line from the story, uh, she was like a planet. And if you were matter floating by in space, she'd, she'd pull you in, yeah. you know? I, I think that's just amazing, really evocative imagery there. Um, and so basically, like, you know, also, that away. also talks to susceptibility. Right. Like, of course, right. she was, maybe she had this orbit that pulled in, but he But maybe also, he was looking for someone like that, absolutely. too, you know? He, so. he needed a power that be. That shows that he needed, right. he needed some strength. He needed something to. To you know, gravitate to. It wasn't just that right. pulling in; he needed to gravitate. So, right. but go, but go you know, it's a great story. Like you know, I'm, I'm not going to sort of give away the ending and stuff no like way. that. But you know, basically, they end up making this pack where they sort of to like, hey, let's let's both go through our fantasies about killing ourselves, but let's go on this last trip to Jamaica before we end it all. You know, and sort of the sort of story, the second half of the story, sort of sort of takes you through that trip and that journey, and sort of what comes out the other end is was very interesting and you know very appealing and exciting, and I loved. I just the way the whole story came together so um that's the pack by kirk windis i thought was also great you know yeah. so um, those, are, those, are, you know, those are two fine choices because yeah yeah i mean how, how about you do you, do you have any that really stood well, out for I, you well you know because i knew we would be discussing this today and like i went through our fiction from this year and uh it's absolutely loaded i mean oh, it's like, great yeah it's 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 i mean kudos to you and uh pat my back to myself for like all the editing i couldn't believe how much impressive fiction was there. Yeah. I, I'm not trying, it, you know, I should pull back and add some modesty, but I was very impressed. And it's it's not because of us. It is not because of us. Not at all, not at all. It is because of the authors. I was, you know, yeah. I was just looking at, like, you know, Christine Stoddard has, like, really, like, given us. She's so, great. She's given us so much as of late. And it's amazing. You know, T. Cowell's always come with it. I looked yeah. at all the Frederick Foot pieces and, was blown away. Um, yeah, I, I like he, that we have some people who have become regular contributors to us because yeah. we can sort of start to like establish their style in the magazine and stuff like that. And it's great. And people it's great to see all the, all their various styles too. Like right. I was looking at right. those three three writers and just like all the different stuff they can do. Uh, I reread Ian Johnson's The Activist today. Uh, oh, I loved it. Yeah, it's so it's so dark and like it's it's. I mean, you know, it has to do with school shootings and everything, yeah. and but it just it's. It's about the motivations. It's about a positive motivation for school shooting involving gun control. That goes wrong, yeah. Involving gun control. And it was just, it's like, it's, it's, it's deep, dark, poignant in a lot of different ways. And that's awesome. Um, Kaylin Booth's Hidden Secrets is uh, one that really um, stuck out to me. Cause it was, in what way? It was sweeping. It was big. It was like, 
we actually we divided it into two parts, and then we actually, oh, that's right, yes, and, and we presented it actually in full at one point because because uh, you know sometimes we try to divide a piece so that you know we know that people like to consume things in smaller bites these days, but also you know it was just so good that we're like here, you know, if you want the whole thing, here it is in 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 this fashion, but uh, you know. It, it it felt cinematic to me, and, and, and it, I just I just I just think it's awesome, and so definitely check out Hidden Secrets. And so I'm starting to put together with Chris the best of fiction, um, best of a uh, fiction, nonfiction, arts and culture. You know, we're gonna have a, the year in poetry release, poetry release, and uh, yeah, I, I love doing that every year. So sort it's of like taking a, a walk back down the year and sort of picking some of our favorites and sort of just letting everybody know about them. Hard, like I mean, oh like, yeah, it's not I easy, just, man. I just I made a list of the best of fiction this year, and we usually try to do like ten, and I, I wrote down twenty different pieces that <laughs> that are so worthy, and so this makes me. Just want to say a huge thank you to all who shared their words with us. Um, Most definitely. Uh, whether it's you know writers, wordsmiths, poets, wh- whoever, like whether you shared your words with me and Chris or with Richard on the poetry side, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, Keep I'm, them coming too; it's great. I'm so impressed with your words. Yeah. I'm so impressed that you that you love what we do with it because we don't take it lightly. We we. We take care of how we edit. We take care of how we present your works with the artwork, and 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 I think people are respecting that, and that's why we're getting such good work. So, what I'm saying is, thank you. Um, uh, one other topic I want to just ask you about because we talk a lot about film, and um, just as we kind of wade out of this, uh, are there any any movies that that have? Uh, blown your mind this year because like I, I'm not even caught up because like what what we do here is a lot of people do their best of film at this time of year I mean the Oscar films just came out like so yeah. what we, we talk about ours right before the Oscars we do we do a four-year consideration series um, so I'm not caught up but is there anything right now that has blown your mind this year you know you know uh, for me this, this was a bit of an odd year you know usually I'm a little bit more invested in the films that come out, but you know, there, the, I, I didn't dive in as heavily. I think it's you know, it could be a large part of the fact that I just moved my entire family three thousand yeah. miles away. Yeah, you have a young uh, kid, and you, you know, I, I, have, I have a twenty-two month old daughter. But you know, I, I, I got a chance to see a few films, some of them in theaters with you, which I also enjoy <laughs> slash miss very much, and wanted to somehow. Maybe, maybe you can FaceTime me the next movie you go to. We can watch yeah, it together I, 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 <laughs> over I, the phone. I definitely miss my movie, buddy. <laughs> yeah, fun. but I, you know, I, I, I got to say, um, not to go a little too nerdy, but I fucking love the way in Deadpool just sort of broke down the fourth wall yeah. and just sort of rewrote how you make a superhero, superhero film. I, I thought Ryan Reynolds was fucking amazing in it. I love the fucking crass jokes. I think they did an excellent job of capturing Deadpool. And I think, I mean, I, I watched Deadpool with my wife, and she doesn't even, like, love superhero movies, you know? She's more of a Jessica Jones kind of person, yep. you know, um, <laughs> as opposed to a Deadpool, and she loved Deadpool. So I thought Deadpool was amazing, you know? It would be um, shocking to me if Deadpool doesn't get an Oscar nod for Best Film. It's going to. It's yeah, so, it's got to, it's, man. It's, it's different. It was that. It was. It's that different. It was that important yeah. of a uh, of of. A it made fun of itself for God's sake. That was fucking hilarious. Absolutely. You know, like it was. It was. It was clever on so many levels. That's yeah. That's, yeah. You saying that is not a crazy choice for right. For me, like I said, I yeah. am, um, you know, I'm set up to see a lot of uh, films coming soon. But there's been two that just blew my mind already. Is the arrival. 
Right. Which, I was going to mention that. Yep. Which speaks of, uh, you know, I just saw uh, that a, a, a site like ours that like speaks a lot about language. It's about language. It's about different languages and, you know, how to communicate when you have nothing. There's nothing. There's no basis. Right. There's there is zero in between. There's no Rosetta Stone. There's that. nothing, man. There is there is nothing to connect you. And how do you do it? And and right. and they do such a good job of telling that story. And the other is Hella High Water. Uh, oh, it was great, man. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pine and my man Ben Foster are just. They're both bosses. I don't care. It, it, like he is not just the captain of the Enterprise. Chris no. can fucking act. And I, Dude, he's a good actor. He stars in Rising, and he deserves a lot of credit. You he's know? amazing. Like, and Ben Foster I, deserves more credit than he gets. Right. Actually, he, I hope he gets nominated for that. But I just, like, those two have touched me so far. And uh, You know what? Going back to Arrival, I, I just if I could interject, you know, that was yeah, like a, a sinking man sci-fi film, which you don't yeah. encounter very often, you know? Oh, it was like a nice breath of fresh air from just like these eye candy sort of like smash them up CGI Rick sort of like, you know... Um, uh, science fiction films, it's you know, slow, and it's slow. It's thoughtful. It is, uh, right. you know, it's 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 the, uh, the you know director and maker of Sakari. Amy Adams was amazing. Amy Adams movie. brought uh, she brought it home, and, and she right. was. She and there was, was like this emotional current to it that was like so palpable. You know, is like you wanted them to succeed so bad, and you were just like you wanted to help on some level. You it, know, um, it's just like it really. And like, there's a lot of people who might not like. Um, me saying this because this film uh, the introduction I can't think of Christopher Nolan's with um, McConaughey is uh, the, the the space film with Matthew McConaughey Christopher Nolan it's talking about Interstellar Interstellar it reminded me so much of Interstellar there's definitely some shades of it yeah in, in, in the way that it was just it was like the, the 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 pace of it the way the way they described such complex Ideas in such simplistic right. ways, and that was that was so thoughtful. It takes so much time as a writer of the film and as a director to present these complex ideas in a way that we all just understand what you're talking about. And right. both both films did such a great job. Thank you, Chris, for helping me uh, remember Interstellar. Uh, right, it just it's a, it's a banger. I hope it gets some love. Yeah. Um, you know, on a more lighthearted uh, uh, note. I loved I love Zootopia, man. It was great. Is it, you know, uh, Zootopia. I'm an adult saying that. I mean, Z- I watched it. Zootopia like, it was fantastic. Has, uh, addresses social issues in a, yeah. in a very serious yeah. way. It was like Big Hero Six, man. It was just, they're just great, <laughs> fun animated movies, man. You know, like and I, and for adults and kids. You know, why not? Why can't yeah. I love it as Zootopia? No, man? no, it was no, no, no question. I, it's, yeah. it's it's it's. Yeah, I thought that was a fine film yeah. as well. Did you see this? Did you see the lobster? I did, I did. Oh. I saw Lobster. I, 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 I think Colin Farrell is fantastic. And He's so good, man. It was a finely directed film. I love the social commentary. On, yeah, yeah. You know, on on you know mates and and just yeah. you know who we are as humans and what we're it's it's right. all about what we're supposed to do and battling right. against that and you know it's like you you have to find a mate or you get like turned into an animal. Yeah, you know? it, it's it, like, just, it, it, it 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 was such. Awkward, weird social commentary that it was so, right. so blatant, but it was also it was, yeah. it was beautifully shot. I, yeah, it's like this I, great think piece. Like, what if? What yeah. if this was how life was? You know, like it, you it, have to fall in love. If you don't, you turn into a dog or a cat or a lobster. Totally. You know? It was like it was like a black mirror. In, in a, yeah, in, exactly. In, very in, much a black in, mirror in a very, very, very beautiful way. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
Chris, thanks for uh, joining me from far away, man. Of I course, man. Like, I've, I've actually I haven't listened to it over here. I think it sounds I think it sounds good enough. I I, I hope you guys are okay with us um, talking remotely like this because I I want to continue doing this with uh, with Chris. So thank you yeah, for joining me, man. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm instead of, instead of doing it twenty years later, I'm doing like a two months later. I'm just walking down memory road here way before I left in August and I did one with you you know so this is great I, well, I'd like to keep doing this man. I just I want to stay- Interstellar and like because I'm looking at you um, at the at, uh, on FaceTime and it's like it is it, it looks like I'm talking to you you might be in a spaceship you might be wherever it looks like you're in your basement <laughs> or something Are you yes, in basement? There's, yes I, I'm, I'm in my basement yes yeah. yes yes um, Again, I have a basement now instead of just a 900 square foot apartment yeah there's no basement here well we <laughs> do have a basement but it's a shared basement um, yeah so, or someone lives in it, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm squatting. <laughs> um, thank you for joining me, Chris. Guys, seriously, everyone, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, there's a chance we squeeze in another one before the new year, being only 16th, but my guess is not. So I want to say, I want to say happy holidays. I want to say right. happy new year. Uh, if there is another one, I'll say it again. But thank everyone who spends time with us and spends time with the site. It means the world to us. So Yeah, a personal note for me, too. Thank you to everybody. Thank you for everything you contributed across the margin. We're nothing without you. And we're going to... Um we're going to come with it in 2017. So, so get ready, brace yourself. And uh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Much love, guys. Take care.